Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. Taiwan's ruling Democratic Progressive Party won a third term in office but lost its parliamentary majority in elections held this past Saturday. To the extent that the DPP is a nominally pro-independence party, the question now facing investors is what does this outcome imply in terms of cross-strait tensions and ultimately relations between the U.S. and China? So this week, I spoke to my colleague Matt Gherkin, who heads up BCA's geopolitical and U.S. political strategies. Matt shared his thoughts on regional and global relations as well as the likely macro impact. Matt, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hey, Rukaya, thank you for having me back. So Taiwan voted on January 13th. Uh, the results were somewhat mixed. So the ruling Democratic Progressive Party won a third term in office, but they lost the parliamentary majority. And I think the main question that investors are asking at this point is what are the implications for cross-strait relations, for U.S.-China relations, and for the global macro outlook? So let's start with cross-strait relations. What are the key takeaways of the Taiwanese election and the implications for cross-strait relations from the election? Yeah, well, I think the key takeaway is that there is no reason from this election to have a full-scale war in the short term. That's that's the real geopolitical risk here that you could have a Ukraine-style conflict. Now, the reason for that is that there is ultimately no political solution for Taiwan's relationship with China. And Taiwan does not have a defense treaty with the United States, and yet the U.S. does provide weapons. And so it is a situation broadly comparable to Ukraine because Taiwan can't expect the U.S. to defend it fully. And China has an incentive at some point in the future to attack before the U.S. extends a full security guarantee. That was an issue with Ukraine. So over the long term, we are concerned about that. But this election does not create the conditions that are necessary for anything like that. And in fact, the the legislature flipping over to the Kuomintang gives China the ability to sort of play the two parties off of each other, put economic pressure on Taiwan, try to undermine the ruling democratic progressives and strengthen the opposition in the legislature in hopes that in two years time, the midterm elections, the Kuomintang gets full control And in four years time, the Kuomintang takes back the presidency. So I think there's a clear political solution for China to pursue that's hostile to Taiwan, but not belligerent, not military. And that's what we should expect going forward. And it means that economic sanctions are definitely going to be wheeled out. And I think specifically this year, there will be a shot across the bow as China warns the new president to not go overboard, you know, not cross any red lines. Now, turning to the likely response from the U.S., in terms of U.S.-China relations, U.S.-Taiwan relations, do you think that there's going to be increased military cooperation between the U.S. and Taiwan? And is there potential for the relationship between the U.S. and Taiwan, U.S.-China to change a little bit if the U.S. elects a Republican president in November? Yeah, the election is key here. So first of all, Taiwan will have to sit on the fence over the next 12 months because it would be foolish for Taiwan to take a strident position, say, enforcing U.S. semiconductor export controls 
and then provoke the backlash from China and then suddenly have a new administration in the U.S. that changes the policy. And, and that could happen. So like so many players around the world, Taiwan will basically wait and see, wait to see what the U.S. policy will be. And with the Biden administration, we will have policy continuity if they're reelected. We know that Biden's policy, his foreign policy doctrine is solidarity with the allies, and he will support democracies around the world, which Taiwan is a democracy. So he'll basically provide robust defense support, and he'll expand and implement the export controls. And this will put Taiwan in a tough situation, especially around 2026, 2027, when it all starts to really bite, you know, when China starts to really feel the impact. But if Biden loses with President Trump or with the Republicans, you just have large tail risks. They could upset the precarious balance in the strait because they could either provide too much deterrence by being too aggressive and sending advanced weapon systems that China really doesn't want Taiwan to have, or they could do the opposite and undercut Taiwan. And I think in, inadvertently that is what they will do. I think they will reduce support for Ukraine and the message will go around the world that the U.S. doesn't have the resolve to defend its partners and that will undermine Taiwan, whether they intended it or not. And so basically you get these larger tail risks of on the right or left side with the Republicans. And this leaves Taiwan in a difficult spot. Basically, the new president will have to come in, wait and see. And then when the American administration is settled, then he will have to decide how to implement the sanctions uh, or the export controls. And here's the thing. When the U.S. goes around the world trying to get people to comply with these export controls, Taiwan will sort of be the last holdout because the stakes are so high for Taiwan. If they fully implement what the U.S. is trying to do, cut off China's modernization, you know, China can have a severe backlash to that. Uh, even if it's not a full-scale invasion, it can really harm Taiwan's sovereignty or economy. And so they're going to be the last ones. And as a takeaway here, what this means is that those semiconductor export controls will not really be effectively enforced over the next year and a half. Now, turning to the global macro outlook, what are the implications of all this on Chinese domestic economic policy, which, of course, impacts economies around the world? And what does it mean for asset prices, such as the Taiwanese dollar or the Chinese yuan? So I think it's negative for both of those currencies. Specifically, I think the debt deflation in China and the property sector bubble sort of deflating, that is negative for the renminbi. It's going to force the People's Bank of China to maintain low interest rates. And you also see that the U.S., and for example, won't necessarily be able to cut interest rates as rapidly as expected. Then also for Taiwan, you've got this, basically you've got a China slowdown. You've got a global slowdown because of interest rates, tight monetary policy. You have policy uncertainty, which really will spike. I mean, maybe it hasn't yet, you know, in the marketplace, but it's going to around the U.S. election. And that then has implications. It could be uncertainty for the region. Investors really don't know what China is going to do, even if they don't launch an invasion. Uh, so, you know, short of invasion, will China impose an embargo or will they just use some sanctions, right? And then finally, I think you could also add to this that there's other issues like supply shocks to the oil sector coming from the Middle East. So it's just not a great environment for, first of all, Asian economies that are trade oriented, Asian economies that are major oil importers and Asian economies that are at odds with the United States like China or that are closely tied to China like Taiwan. So generally speaking, I would be short the Taiwanese dollar and I'd be short the renminbi 
and overweighting the U.S. dollar. And, and I think to a considerable extent, I would also make the point that within the equity universe, U.S. equity should be overweighted in, a, in an environment where we have a slowing global economy and high policy uncertainty. Well, Matt, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Yes, thank you, Rukaya. Looking forward to the next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode.